Praise the Lord. <coughs> God is good. All the time. Okay, I want to welcome everyone to this part of the service as well. And uh, I'd like to begin by saying that we're, most of us are very familiar with, with the Bible. And uh, most of us would know that we have what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's not hard for us to understand. But I have another question that, that maybe uh, we can't answer. So I would like to ask you the question, in which one of the Gospels is Jesus first mentioned? That's not as easy as the Old and the New Testament, is it? Which one of the Gospels is Jesus first mentioned? John? That is not the answer. Matthew. Yes, Matthew 1, verse 1. The, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we've heard a lot about Jesus Christ in the last several weeks. And uh, blessed we were, you know, passing through this holiday season. And uh, probably read the story of, the, of the Jesus uh, over in our homes, and uh, I would like to this morning just to invite you to take note that the Old Testament comes with a story of the son of David, or the Messiah that is going to come. And when we come to the New Testament, we, the, the New Testament comes with a story that he is coming again. So that's what we really want to be interested in our life is that Jesus is coming again. Now there were many people uh, from the Old Testament going into the New Testament that completely missed the message that Messiah is going to come. Completely missed it. When, when signs came along that, that this is Jesus, this is the Messiah, they said, no, it can't be that way. It can't be that he's coming that way because this is the way that the Old Testament says that he's going to come. So they missed it. And I would just like to say that we should not, in our hurried life, I guess, miss out on receiving the message that he is coming again and that we want to be and need to be ready for that. I am going to share this morning again on the uh, subject of David. The title of the message is 
closer than a brother. We have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I think that ultimately that friend is the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's the, the highest part of the understanding that particular s- scripture. But I think that there's also a sense in which it can refer to a friend that we have. Or a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In uh, Proverbs 27, 17, I'd like for you to turn to that. And we wa- I want to read that. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Now we realize that when you take iron or you sharpen iron, a lot of times there are sparks flying. And uh, in a friendship, we don't like to think of that as sparks flying. But I think we will come to realize that a true friend will sometimes tell his friend some of the things, some things that may hurt him or her for a little bit until they get over it. You know, there's something to get over when someone uh, offends you or, or says something that you definitely do not like. Because it may mean that you have to change somewhat, that God is, is asking you to change something in your life that will better enhance God's kingdom. Also turn to Proverbs 25, 19. And this is where it, it really gets uh, down to earth. Verse 19 of chapter 25. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Now, I think we all know what a nagging toothache is. I mean, it it will completely ruin your day. You do not have a good day with a with a nagging toothache and and. Uh, I had that kind of a toothache when I talked to the dentist about it. He said, it's good that I came in because he said those things could kill you. I, I don't understand all the reason why, but, but that's what he said. So it could, uh, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of, out of uh, joint. Or in other words, a sprained ankle. How many people know how hard it is to walk on a sprained ankle? You can hardly walk. It hurts so much, and and sometimes they can do things for it, but it still 
keeps on hurting. And that's what an unfaithful friend is. Trust in an unfaithful friend can be like a sprained ankle. So, we're talking about friendship when we think of Jonathan and David. There was created, and I've told you this before, that, but there was created in, in them a, a love that David even says that Jonathan's love for me was greater than the love of women. I would say that's big. You know, that's, that's a big thing. And that's what Jonathan said. I mean, uh, David said, if I get it right. Okay, the next thing I would like to say is that our friend must be in touch with reality himself and be able to fulfill his own needs within the world. Usually, if we have a friend, it's someone, I mean a, a close friend that we can depend upon, it's someone that is deeply rooted in the Word of God. Someone that understands what God wants us to be and how to live that kind of a life. Now I know that sometimes we think of a man like that as kind of strict and, and uh, just not easy to get along with because this friend may not go for all the things that the world has to offer like I would like to or like you may like to. And being a friend with this person will have to maybe give up some things. And, and therefore we get, we kind of retract, you know, we well, do we really want to be a friend with this person, you know? So our friend must be in touch with reality himself and be able to fulfill his own needs within the world. David's last recorded encounter with Jonathan is mentioned in 1 Samuel 23, 15 to 18, and let's turn to that in the book of First Samuel. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Zip in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Now in this particular passage, it tells us that Jonathan strengthened David's hand, or David strengthened his hand in God. 
That's, that is something that a friend must be able to do, to strengthen someone in the Lord, in God. When Jonathan went to David, David was at a place where he was feeling sorry for himself and he was feeling all alone. Even though he had lots of people around him, he was feeling all alone. And it's possible to feel that way in the midst of a lot of people. But it's also possible when you're away from people to feel very much present with, with things, with the Lord. So we need to be careful about that. But one of the things we notice is he strengthened his hand in God. And then he said something like, You know, David, Saul, my father, is really not going to get you. He is not going to get you. And I know that. And I know that you're going to be the next king. You're going to be the next leader. And David, by the way, was the greatest warrior this world ever knew. There was not another man like David, like King David. Now, David had lots and lots of problems. And the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. But he had problems in his life. And we will see some of them this morning, Lord willing. So Jonathan was saying, you know, my father is not going to, uh, to get you. And I know that you'll be a king over Israel and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul knows. Saul knows that you're going to be king. And I think that was the reason that Saul was so out to get David. And I, I think we understand that as we read this, that many times David would have had the chance to kill Saul. But he said, no, I'm not going to do I'm not going to raise or lift up my hand against the Lord's anointed. And he would have had opportunity to do so many times. In fact, his friend said, go ahead, kill him, and he'll be, he'll be out of the way. You won't have to worry about this man anymore. You'll have no more struggles. No more running. No more being a fugitive. You'll be able to get out there and do your thing. Saul will be out of the way. David said, I am not going to do it. I will not lift my hand against God's anointed. And he didn't. If you read First and Second Samuel, you will see exactly what David did. He could have bribed him a lot and, and just said, Oh, David, you know, Saul, my father, isn't that bad, you know. He's not as bad as what you think he is. But mind you, David knew what kind of a person that Saul was and what kind of a character that he was and that he can say one thing at one moment and the next five, five minutes his character is completely changed. And he thinks different. In fact, one time when David cut off his, uh, the uh, skirt of, of Saul and then later met him and told him what he's got, Saul said, you know, I, I can see that you are a better man than I am. Saul told David that because you could have easily taken my life and you didn't. And he said, and at another time he said, you know what, David, I have played the fool, 
I was very ignorant and, and foolish. I did the wrong thing. But it wasn't very long, even after he said that, he was back in it again, trying to hunt David down, trying to kill him. And the, and the man was running for his life. David became very, very fearful. He was afraid. Look at this young man that he was. And he went out, and big, tall Goliath was out there. David took out his sling and slung it around and bang, right there. Hit the lion, I mean the, the giant right in the uh, center of his forehead. Killed him. Big, husky boy at that time. At least, I suppose that's what the people thought. I don't know how husky he was. It says that he, it says that he was a small boy. But he also told the king that he did other things, you know. He, he killed a bear and a lion and all these things, so... So he was uh, really a great man, but as soon as Saul was coming around, he was afraid. He was afraid, and he ran, hid himself in, in dens. And then at one time, he went over to, to uh, the place where Goliath came from, to the king there. And he went to the, into the king and, and talked with him. And, and, and another time, he was at a place where he didn't know how to conduct his life. And so he just kind of went, David went in there and and he had spittle drooling down over his mouth and acted like he was a crazy man, a wild man, you know. And the king said, we don't want this man around here. Why don't you bring this man over to us? Get him out of here. We have enough of problems of our own. That's what people are thinking today when they meet people. What do we want with that person? We've got enough of problems of our own. That's what a person told me one time. He said, I don't want what you have. I've got enough of problems of my own, you know. So people are reading us and, and uh, getting a lot of uh, message by just from what we are. It's very important for us to realize how that Jonathan redirected David's life. And sometimes... That's very important for a friend to do to us. Just redirect our, our vision, our whatever we had. You know, David, like I said, he was, he was fearful. He was running for his life. He was scared. And uh, Jonathan went and, and helped him to redirect that. What he did was he redirected David's perspective on life by focusing his attention on the Lord. Now sometimes we have a friend and and we just we tell him, Oh, it's not that bad really, you know, things will get better. Just keep on going. It'll get better. But we need to be more specific than that. We need to be able to tell them uh, how to uh, get rid of their problems, and that Jesus truly is the answer. I need to be a friend in God. It is a great thing to have a Jonathan in my life, but I need to be a Jonathan. How does that sound? It is a great thing to have a Jonathan in my life, but I also need to be a Jonathan in helping other people.
Those are, those are three principles that emerge from this particular episode. I need to be a friend in God. It is great to have things go the right way after a friend corrects us. My friendship with the Lord must be the test of my friendship with people. If not, I need to go deeper in the Lord. The third one, I need to help him directly depend on the Lord. Well, I'd like to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and read a verse there. What happens when, when Jonathan encouraged him in the Lord. Chapter 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. That was these 600 men that were with him. They spake, they spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now that is exactly where you want your friend to come to, that he can encourage himself in the Lord. Because I'd like to tell you that your friend, regardless of who it is, cannot be with you all the time. Did you know that? There'll be times when you'll be alone. You, don't, you, you can't turn to your friend. But there is a friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, that can with you, be with you all the time, anywhere, any moment. He'll be with you. Think of that. Thousands of people across the world that he can answer their problems and prayers at any given moment. All of them, at one time. How marvelous. You wouldn't be able to do that. You can't be with a friend all the time. You've got work to do. But Jesus can. Jesus has also got work to do. John 15, 13 says this. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Am I that kind of a friend? Are you that kind of a friend that would be willing to lay down your life for another? I understand that there's a, there's a chance when, when you love, love someone as a friend, you're taking a risk. I understand that. You're taking a risk because love is rejected sometimes. The love that you give to another person is, it can be rejected. And sometimes friendships enter up, enter or end in bitterness. Have you ever experienced that where you thought someone was really your friend, but it turned out that you became bitter towards them? It just ended up and, and, and it just upset you. story is told of a man in New York that uh, ate some clam chowder soup and it was very hot. It was so hot that it burned his esophagus. And the doctors, in order to heal that, they took out 
or, or he couldn't take any more food into his stomach, and so they took the lining off of his stomach so that the food could go directly into his stomach. The doctors that did that c came up with some, some uh, very good things that they learned, and, and one of them was when they took the lining off of his stomach, they could see his stomach react to certain things, and this is what they found. When a man is in a friendship, a broken re uh, relationship with a friend, his stomach has a tendency to turn real red. And that red could be turned into an ulcer, or it could be turned into a real bad stomach ache. So if you are in a bad relationship with someone, it can lead to ulcers, ulcers in your stomach or a bad stomach. You, you don't know what's wrong. You just feel so upset. You just have such an upset stomach all the time. I wonder what's wrong with me. Could it be cancer or could it be something else? Well, take a lesson from this. It might be a bad relationship with someone. Think about that and try to do something about it. The acid in the, in the stomach causes it to swell. Friendships going away, astray, the stomach wall turned red. Bad friendships destroy good stomachs. In the Psalms, David referred several times to a friend. And he listened in Psalm uh, 55. It's, he said that we both went together to the house of the Lord. We walked together as friends. But it finally came out that this man was not his friend. Can you imagine that you walk together with someone and this friendship will end up being sour? Just sour. Uh, you, you think that can't happen. But when you are the people that you love the most, the most dearly, can hurt you the worst. Do you believe that? Okay. David was a guy that tried very hard for reconciliation. He tried different times with Saul to be reconciled and it seemed like nothing worked. But David was not naive to return unless Saul changed or permanent change in, he could see permanent change in his character. That's what David wanted to see. David poured out his heart to God in Psalms 57, was written in the back of that cave where he was when Saul and his people came in there, and David uh, went and took his sword. But while David fled from Saul, that he was able to feel bitterness and hurt vanish when God came in and filled his life with joy. When, when you go to God and you talk to God, then uh, 
uh, joy floods your soul and you will be able to forgive. Other than God in your life, you're not able to forgive someone like that. Because those unforgiven things or attitudes or bitterness, they have a way. At times you say, I'm not, I'm not going to think about this anymore. But th those things have a, have a way of slipping back into your heart and recapture that thing. But if you allow God to come in and forgive, it makes all the difference in the world when God is at work in that life. Now, in David's life, we see another great character in him, and that was when finally Jonathan and David were killed. Now, Jonathan could have said, I mean, David could have said, good, good, my enemy is finally going. I'll have no more problems with him. But you know what? He didn't say that. Love throws a blanket over Saul's sins and failings and calls attention to his strength. You think that, that sometimes when your enemy dies, you know, it'd be all right for you to say something about his shortcomings that he had, about his failures and, and things like that, but David didn't. Whenever he said something about Saul, it was good. He, he, he had high regards for Saul, even though Saul treated him like he did. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins, Proverbs tells us, Proverbs ten twelve. These three things affect areas in our relationship to, relationship to ourselves, to our God and to others. David had a clear conscience. You know, it's time, now is the time for us to tell someone that we love them, that we appreciate what they have done for us, and we're going to love them to the end. How many people will go to the grave and you will be able to say, oh, I wonder if that person ever realized how much I appreciated him. You don't want to say that when the person dies. You want to say that to the person when he's still alive. Go and tell him how much you appreciate him. Mark Twain said, I can go for two months on one good compliment. I can live for two months on that. And that's so very true. Someone gives you a good compliment about something, it just really refreshes you and, and makes you feel good. And you think about that, maybe it is two months down the road. You'll think about what that person said about you. So if you like to have that done, do that to someone else. Be a Jonathan. What would David have been without a Jonathan in his life? He was one of the tools for making David a man after God's own heart. In Acts 13.36, Paul says that David served his generation well. Isn't that amazing? I don't think David, I mean, I don't think Paul ever knew David. 
but he read his story and he served his generation well and that's what we want to do are you and I serving our generation well referring to the kingdom of God as well so I was blessed with this and and this is one thing that I found that after Jonathan encouraged David 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 was able to encourage himself in the Lord and that's where you want to lead all your friends to stand for themselves in the Lord to strengthen themselves in the Lord. Now, we have a tendency to think that, what is, do you have the Spirit of God? And, and if, I, if I don't speak in tongues, and if I don't have all these great experiences, how can I know that I'm really a child of God? Well, the Bible says that if you don't have His Spirit, you are none of His. So you'd better know if you have God's Spirit or not within you. So if someone asks you, do you have the Spirit of God? We can truthfully say, yes, I do, by the grace of God. When I became born again, His Spirit came into my life. So we're not ashamed to say that we have the Spirit of God living us, in us. Are we perfect? No. But we're growing, we're getting there, and one day it will be perfection. Never in this life, I mean never in the natural man, but spiritually we can be perfect in the Lord not of ourselves. And that, it, that's all the difference in the world. Many people are trying to, just because, we, if someone would ask you, how are you doing in your Christian life? Oh, well, <coughs> I read the Bible, and, and you know, uh, we have family devotions in the morning. So, yeah, well, that's not, that's really not what they ask. How are you doing in your Christian life? When how you're doing in your Christian life means do you have victory? Are you living in victory? Are you bearing fruit for the Lord? You know, reading the Bible doesn't mean that you're a Christian. I think a lot of non-Christians read the Bible because it's a, a good thing to do. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't read the Bible if you're not a Christian. But it doesn't make you a Christian just by reading the Bible. It's by accepting what the Bible has to offer and tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the end of my message that I have this morning is getting someone to be able to encourage himself in the Lord like Jonathan did for David. And when David didn't, did that, God still had a lot of things for David to do and he became a great king. So may the Lord bless us with a desire to, to be like the Lord. I'd like to say like, like Jonathan, but really, it's back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer to these struggles and trials and, and things that we have. He is our joy. He is our life. Shall we pray? Our God and Father, this morning, we bow before you and thank you for just a few of these lessons that we can learn from Jonathan and David again. And in their life, they, they were so growing together in love and sharing with one another and teaching one another. And the lesson that Jonathan has taught David really helped him to see how that he needs to refresh himself in the Lord. And we know that we can do this. We can be refreshed by going to church 
We can be refreshed by reading the Bible. We can be refreshed by talking spiritual things with other people. And there's many encouraging moments that we have in life, and we want to thank you for those and pray that you might help us to be what we know that we should be in your kingdom, fulfill, fulfilling your desire and will for us. So, Father, we just want to thank you for what you're doing for us this morn morning. Thank you for all the people in this building. Bless everyone from the youngest to the oldest here this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I know it's...